Welcome to Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. We are so glad you could join us today. The Crosstalk podcast is in pursuit of growing in our understanding of the gospel and discovering what it means to transfer to the next generation. And now, here are your hosts, Charles and Daniel. It's good to be back with you this week. Um, if you did not join us last week, last week we had a guest on here, and her name was Erin Abbott. She is a good friend, as also a fellow church person with us here at Westwood Church. And uh, last week we talked about being a wife and what does that look like. And uh, if you want a biblical grounding on what it means to be a wife, that's not what we did. We really talked about just some of the practical, with a little bit of orthodoxy, but a lot of orthopraxy. And I think that was hugely helpful. And I'd encourage our listeners to go back and listen to that if you haven't. Um, just a little bit of an overview again. You have um, four children between 12 and 4, if I'm correct. And That's you've been right. married 16 years. You're heavily involved in ministry. You homeschooled them. And as I said last week, you do all the things. <laughs> so, too many. Too many things. And uh, so we're glad that you're able to join us again and discuss this issue of motherhood because I think. The issue of motherhood just obviously flows naturally out of being a wife. So to start things off, I think the question we want to ask is, what motivated you to want to be a mom? Right now, you're probably like, I don't know. (laughs) But I mean, initially, you didn't know the stress and everything of having children. So what motivated you to want to be a mom? What gave you that desire? Well, um, my own mother would tell you that I said from the time I was itty-bitty that when I grew up, I wanted to be a mommy. That's what I would tell everybody. Wow. And um, You don't hear that very often anymore. That really never changed yeah. for me. Um, I love to learn. I love to be a student. And even when I was in um, college, I was ready to go to grad school, and I was going to get my Ph.D., and um, my, at in that what, time... In what, by the way? In history. Mm. Wow. Yeah. There you go. So um, my, at that time, fiancé said, you know, sweetie, if that's what you want to do, I will support you in that. But, you know, let's start adding up these years of, okay, master's... I can see this conversation happening. P- right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> My husband is Mr. Spreadsheet, for those listening who do (laughs) not know him. And so he's kind of laying this out, and he's like, so you realize that would really um, delay and hinder your ability to be with our children. Um, Which is Children who did not exist. Yeah, but that's a valid question, though, he's asking. And I said, is this what you really want? Right. That is what he asked. And I said, um, I think I'll go get a job. So even (laughs) – forget this grad school business. So even um, as a young woman, that was just the desire of my heart was to be a mother. Yeah, I think that's inherently biblical. You know, in this culture where um, we – even I would say in the church – we can do this and be uh, very guilty of this, of not being okay with women who are okay with being moms. Like, I, I, I think we don't encourage it. There's somehow you got to do something and then that. There's always something else that kind of gets thrown in there. Um, but it's okay to have those desires. It's, it's inherently biblical. And if you don't, then maybe there's the question why. And then some women, they choose to be single and they serve in a different way, you know, and that's okay. But we know that by and large, 
the biblical model is to get married, have children if God will allow that. So I, I, when I hear that, I go, yes, that's biblical. Well, it's interesting because what you said um, brings up sort of an evolution that's happened in the whole view of motherhood because <clears throat> there was a time I know I know my wife um, and we met, we've been married 43 years and she said all she ever wanted to do was be a mom you know and have a family that's all get married and have a family and what we have done over the years is said well women need to be prepared you never know what's going to happen and so they have prepared but then what I see and it, it, you might want to respond to this is that they get prepared by getting a degree, and now they feel like they spent all this money on this degree. Therefore, they need to use it so they don't waste their parents' money or waste all that time, you know. And and then the result is daycare and other things that happen. Your thoughts? Well, um, I experienced that in a real way. I received a scholarship to go to college. And um, I had a college professor tell me that I was a waste of the scholarship because Oof. I desired to be a mother. Wow. Um, so I think that you're right. I mean, you're both right. Um, it's viewed as not enough. Um, it's viewed as less than. Um, there is a real element of gosh, I went to college and I have all this debt to pay off, and that's right. a reality yeah. as yeah. Right. well. Um, Which is a whole other discussion. <laughs> that's a whole other <laughs> right. thing. Right, right, right. But, um, yeah, so I think the enemy has gotten a great victory in that we no longer believe that the hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. Mm. No, we don't. Mm. Yeah. But – but it does um, right. because a mother is so uniquely positioned um, to influence in her children's life. Really? Well, yeah. You know, I, go ahead. Well, that, you know, last week I said I talked to a young woman about marriage. And there's, there's a, a young woman in our church, a married woman in our church, who just quit working to stay at home and they want to have a family. But she's having people in the church, women, ask her, well, what are you going to do? And <laughs> Little does she which, know. <laughs> which goes along with what we're saying here. The, the implication is, and the understanding is that women who stay at home and raise kids don't do anything. They don't add anything to anything. They, I mean, you can. that's what daycares are for, right? So it is a totally different mindset. It, it, it was there before, but not like it is now. Yeah, a couple of things when you hear him talking about those, I, I think – we, we do have a wrong perspective that, you know, motherhood is not busy, you know, and it doesn't require work. It is very toilsome. I think you would probably agree. I see you shaking your head. Yes, yes, it is yes. very toilsome. Um, but I also think that, um, and this is going to lead me down just a path I wasn't expecting, but I'm going to ask this question. I also think motherhood can be lazy. I, I've seen it happen before. So with you being busy with your children and very engaged because I being friends with you and your and your husband and we see your life being engaged how have you kept yourself from being lazy and how have you caused yourself what maybe caused you to have this conviction if you will I'm this is my responsibility and this is what I must do well 
I mean, we were talking about it before the mics were on, right? There is this reality that motherhood is very hard mm-hmm. and it's toilsome. And um, there's a lot of sameness there. I don't allow my children to say they're bored, so I won't say, you know, that word. So you're not bored. <laughs> but sometimes it's the same thing over and over. And so, um, there is a reality that tempts you to ease, right? Um, I think in our fallen nature, we all tend toward ease. And so I guess the first part of that answer is you've been very gracious, but I don't know if that's entirely true. I'm certainly tempted to um, put on another TV show rather than read a book or oh, rather than talk. I've been there even as a father. <laughs> Yeah, so there is always no that. think instead of think. Yeah. Yeah, there's always a temptation to take the path of least resistance. So, yeah. Absolutely. But I think some of it is too, people don't know what to do. And I had the gift of a mother who was. A biblical mother. Right. And so that was really a gift. It's a huge and, gift. Oh, because yeah. I can say, I see what this is supposed to look like. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen it. I haven't just read about it. I've seen it. Um, so that is a gift that I think probably this side of glory, I will actually never know what a gift that was. Um But the other encouragement is to, um, you know, search the scriptures. Work is a good thing. Mm -hmm. So just to remind ourselves that work is a good thing. Work was not part of the curse. You know, the unproductiveness of work is part of the curse. The toilsome and the labor side of where it's hot and sweaty and not fun. Yeah, that's part of the fall. But they were tending the garden. Right. You know, before the fall, and they just didn't sweat and get tired. Yeah, they just enjoyed the work. So yeah. um, I think to remind myself, and I have a quote from Elizabeth Elliot hanging up on my refrigerator because the kitchen is the room that gets the most toilsome. You know, mm-hmm. all those dishes, and goodness, they're hungry every two hours. Um, and so I have this quote, and I'm not going to get it exactly, but um, it says. This is the job that has been given to me to do. Therefore, mm-hmm. it is a gift. Therefore, it is a privilege. Therefore, it is an offering I can make to the Lord. And so to have those kinds of things, literally, physically, I need it before my eyes mm-hmm. to encourage our hearts, you know, and I don't think that's unique even to motherhood, but just to encourage our hearts and to be with other people who have the same view and can encourage you in person to press on. You know, I was going to ask you this question about conviction, but I think you've just laid out why you have that conviction very clearly. Um, and I think maybe that could be the struggle for some who are mothers now is that there's not the conviction of what I'm doing is is worthy. It's it's good. It's a part of what God made me for. You know, we always talk about that. People, I was made for this. No, you were made for this, you know. And, and that's part of God's design. Now, that doesn't mean you're incapable of doing anything else. My wife, uh, we run a business together. We have our children in the home. But primarily, she does a lot of focusing on the kids. And quite frankly, we're trying to get our business to where she can do more of that. 
because that's her heart and that's what she wants to do, even though she is so capable, probably more capable than I am in many ways, to do the business aspects that we do. And I say that just to provide a little balance of, of a different life structure, but the conviction is still the same. You know. Well, you know, I had a, a conversation with an older woman in the church who is graduating her children from her homeschool, and she also wanted to get a Ph.D. in history, and she gave that up and because she wanted to be a mom more. And so we kind of have this bond, hmm. and we just had this conversation where um, she told a story about one day she, her husband came home and found her crying, and he said, what's wrong? And she said, I used to be smart, and smart people thought I, <laughs> I was a smart <laughs> person, and I'm just not anymore. And so mm. there is um, certainly kind of the siren call of the other things that you are actually capable right. of doing. And so it was so encouraging to me to hear this woman who I look up to, whose whose children are flourishing and following Christ, um, to hear her say, no, that's hard for me too. And she said, after we talked, she said, anytime you feel that way, I want you to call me. <laughs> and it was just such an encouragement to my heart. So I think that's an aspect of it too, is that... Um, just to say, press on to one another. Keep going. It's interesting. I don't know if you see the correlation here, but I, I'm 69 years old, and I work physically and physically pretty hard. And sometimes uh, I was talking with someone about picking up a certain thing, and I said, well, I can pick that up. I'm not sure I should pick it up. Just because you can do something, that means you should do something. It's not that you can't do it, but what's the wisdom What's the other side of wisdom? And, and it can be that way with a lot of things, and certainly with motherhood. I feel like in life we're always choosing one thing over the other. Well, and there are so many good things to do. Right. You know, I often um, – you know, if you ask me, am I going to choose a movie marathon or something – over my children or even something, you know, that's blatantly sinful and wrong, probably I'm going to say, no, that's not really a temptation for me. But there are plenty of good things to do that I might get more praise at, mm -hmm. um, where other people would see it. Um, that it's more impressive. It's so yeah. tempting. Yeah. <laughs> because and I said this. And a part of that same conversation, I said, you know, when you are doing things outside the home, even in ministry, people say, good job, or wow, that yeah. was great, yeah. or this is awesome, or wow, you work so hard. And if you are just killing it in your home, all you hear is the complaints about the mash sheet and the meatloaf, you know? <laughs> and so <laughs> it is a very unto-the-Lord work yeah, in right. terms of yeah. – Thankless in some way. Yeah, that yeah. you're you're really not going to get man's praise for doing it. And that's where husbands, now. Yeah. husbands can be such an encouragement because um, – you do see your wives, yeah. you know, and you see the work they're doing. And so that's always a big source of encouragement. When and Alex, we fail at that. I mean, I'm yeah. just going to be honest. We as husbands are not good at recognizing. Maybe we see it and we appreciate it from a very 
up, you know, top level. We see it. And okay, we love that. But we're not taking the time to go, hey, babe, you really did a great job at that. I appreciate what you're doing with the children. I appreciate how you did this or whatever. I, 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 you put your thing in there. And I'm guilty of that. And I think when you say that, it reminds me, oh, this is a huge part of allowing my wife to flourish as a mother. Well, and then the flip side of that coin is um, it's easy as a woman, as a wife and a mother, to start doing things for man's praise. Right. And then when I don't receive <laughs> sure. that, then yeah. I, you know, now my expectations haven't been met. So it is kind of this balance of, you know, I'm, I am serving Christ. He is my audience. He sees it all. And, um, and finding satisfaction in that, mm. um, but also knowing that encouragement from others is real and uplifting. Important. Uplifting. Yes. You know, um, we mentioned this last week when we talked about motherhood, or uh, excuse me, being a wife. And you mentioned that simplistic aspect of uh, is your focus Christ, and and so I do think that we dealt a lot with that expectation level there, and where is our focus. And so, again, I encourage our listeners, go back and listen to that if you can hear it, because I think you can just plug and play as far as application. Absolutely. It's the same same yeah. type of thing we're well, talking about. I don't think about. we want to raise the expectation level of other mothers out there, because then that creates the possibility of uh, disappointment. But we should, if any fathers or potential fathers listening, husbands listening, to make a habit of saying thank you for things that seem really just normal. Mm. I, I, when I get up from the table, my wife fixes a good meal. I say thanks for the meal. I appreciate the effort. I've tried to develop that habit. Um, but th- I could have done that a long time ago. You know, so guys, listen up. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So so in, in, in talking about your desire for having children, your conviction for having children, your perspective, that whole aspect, there's a question here that I think is important and is, do you see it as important for you to be the primary Influence and it's kind of shifting gears just a little bit to be the primary influence in your children, and if so, why? Yeah, I'm so glad you asked because I spent a lot of time thinking about that one. So I'm glad we got to it. I think that my answer is yes and no. And oh, okay. Here's why. Um, <clears throat> it is yes from the perspective of God ordained the family god works through families it is very clear that um, god passes on this his word through families not only through families but it is a means that he uses and so from that perspective yes i want me more than you know we've chosen to homeschool our children because i want to be there and I want to be the one speaking into their lives and I want to be able to teach all things as holding together in Christ um, and I certainly want to be of more influence than their peers right. um, <laughs> so from that perspective yes but as I thought about this I actually thought about a speech that I've heard from Dr. Albert Muller and um, good thing you gave him credit. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I'm not going to plagiarize, but um, he talks about how 
it takes a church to raise a child. And so I think the no side of that is that sometimes the temptation of wanting to be the primary um, influence in my children's lives can lead me to really kind of a 21st century kind of evangel, the evangelical church where we say, well, my Christianity is really kind of an individual thing. Hmm. And so I don't want to make the mistake of thinking that about my parenting. Um, at some point, I won't be the primary influence. And so um, particularly as we're a month away from teenage years now, right. I'm thinking about um, how do I try to pass some of that influence to the church you know, um, not, so not abdicate. No, right. You're not. You're not abdicating your role. Yeah. But try to encourage relationships with um, brothers and sisters in Christ, mm. with my children who can speak into my children's lives, who can build <clears throat> that influence. And um, so, from that perspective, I do want to be. The primary influence, certainly a big influence, but I don't want to hold tightly to that. I want to be open-handed and know that in the end, the Lord will be faithful to completion in my children. It's not my job to sanctify them. So, Well, that also leads to the fact that you need to be in a good, solid church. Absolutely, you know, and, and I think you know what you're teaching is being right, being reinforced. Um, yeah, and 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 I say that because you can't assume that. No, that's um, true. It's something as parents we have to be intentional about. It's our responsibility to find. And if you hear children, those are her children. Those are my. <laughs> She doesn't, have, my she doesn't have control of her yeah. children. Yeah. She's turning red right now, you know, because he's, you know, he's got to be this perfect kid. But anyway. But yeah, to that point, <laughs> we are at church recording this, right. and my children are pretty sure that the church is their home. home. It's just an <laughs> which, extension. Which is good. Well, they're, you know, it's a double-edged sword in this case. It's right. right. <laughs> well, some clarity on that, because what motivated that question and what I've thought about is, a lot of people abdicate the responsibility for raising, teaching their kids by giving that responsibility completely to somebody else. I know people have different convictions and desires regarding education and all those things, but <clears throat> but if somebody else is molding the mind of your child, then you're, don't be surprised if they turn out different than you might have hoped they would. Or prayed for. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. <clears throat> I heard somebody say this because I grew up in the homeschool movement. That was our background. Early days of homeschool. Yes, early days. And and so, obviously, I know you've mentioned you homeschool your children, and I could hear people on the other line going, well, that's all they've talked about is homeschool. Well, it doesn't matter if you're homeschooling or maybe you've chosen a different avenue of some type of academy, you know, something where there is some parental involvement, which we advocate for. I, I personally think in this day and age it is time to remove that cultural aspect out of your children i will just say that (laughs) but we can discuss that at another time but i have seen homeschool families abdicate their responsibility meaning that they went in to be homeschoolers to try to make good kids but the kids were awful because they really didn't do their responsibility. They missed out on the what the whole point was. I think sometimes they thought that just because they yes. didn't send their kids to school, that it quote, would fix unquote, the problem. That they would be okay. Yeah. Now, 
much more to it than that. Yeah, and and I think what we're hearing from you is is that we want to be the influencers in our kids, but we also know that God has given us the gift of His people, the church, and His program. Just read Acts. Just read the New Testament. This is how He is designed to strengthen the family. Right. If we're in a place where the Word of God is being preached and teach. Uh, even in our children's classrooms, the Word of God has been taught correctly. So what I hear you saying is, when those things are in place, that in some ways is the the great morphing of it all together so that it works for what we hope is they come to know Christ right. and follow Him. Yeah, because ultimately, right, I want not me. I want the right. Holy Spirit. I want God and His Word to be the primary influence in my children's life um, and so right now what that looks like is follow me while I follow Christ right um, and eventually it's it's that release and so um, it is so important that and, and I'm seeing that importance is my children are getting older now, that they're not doing things because mom said so. Right. But that they're doing things um, because they understand why does mom say so? Well, mom says so because of this scripture. Um, and that there are other people who are saying the same thing mom's saying, and maybe they say it different right. <clears throat> and it clicks, you know? Yeah. And so. It is becoming increasingly important to me to see that it, it is it's time to not just say so because I said so. And right. so that's yeah, there's honestly, a place for that. And then there comes a place to say well, and Daniel and I've had this discussion even on the podcast, that he would say things that I that Pam and I had taught him that I would say, Why? We begin to ask that question, why? Oh really? Well, I mean, you know, and then to challenge it so that you think it through. Right. Yeah. You know, that leads me, because we've had a little, we're running out of time. I don't know how that happens, but it does. And we just good, great conversation. A couple of questions that I want to get to before we close here. And and you've kind of touched on this a little bit, but this idea almost of transfer. And if you listen to our opening of our podcast, learn what it means to transfer to the gospel into the next generation. And so you've talked about this idea a little bit, but let's I want to touch on this. What is your goal and your hope? And I think it's obvious, but maybe what you're working toward, the goal that from 15 to 20 years from now. What does this look like? Um and and what are you doing to to make sure by anything within your power, obviously God does the work that that happens. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's um I want my children following Christ. Um, that would be the the biggest joy for me, and um, following Christ and serving His church. And um, mm. so, not in an individualistic way, but in um, in a body of believers. Um, and so. I can't wait to see what that looks like if right. Lord willing, you know, that happens and and I live long enough to see it. I can't wait to see what that looks like because they're all so different. Right. And so in terms of preparing them, um there are some of the more obvious things like theological instruction, biblical instruction, um things like that. But also 
I feel really strongly about trying to nurture the gifts that I see that God mm. has given them so that they are well-developed um, and they can be used for the kingdom. That really gets to what we were talking about, and we haven't touched on it before we came on, which is winning their heart. Yeah. And really understanding them and listening to them. And I think we don't have time to go into the whole, you know, John the Baptist, you know, fulfilling or not fulfilling the, you know, hearts of the children to their fathers and et cetera. But I do think, practically speaking, that is applicable in the sense of are we taking the time to win the ch- our children's hearts? Not so that they follow us because we're this great, amazing people, but no, they see Christ and then follow him. Well, and it is an opportunity for us as parents to image God. Yeah. Because what does the scripture tells us? That he remembers our frame, you know? So to remember our children's frame, to remember what it's like to be a child and not be overly harsh and not provoke them to anger. It's hard. That's so hard. It's so hard because you think all humans should know that you should not eat your french fries with <laughs> a straw, right? But. <laughs> They don't. I wonder which one of your children did that. <laughs> sure, I think I have yeah. an idea. Um, so there's some of that. No, they don't go in your nose for that. Right, or that. <laughs> yeah, I've seen, that happened. He's speaking of mine. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, yeah, we image God by being compassionate, by remembering their frame, by remembering right. what it's like to be a child. And also, it's the love of Christ that compels us. And so that constrains to, us. Yeah. To love yeah. and um, to image him in that way as well. You know, as I'm listening to you talk, obviously, my wife and I are, are we're really good friends with you and your husband. And so we've had the opportunity to be in your home and, and see the good and the bad. Okay, like, yeah. let's just be honest here. We've seen the kids be good and we've seen them be bad. Okay? That's why you know which one ate french fries exactly. with a straw. That's exactly. right. But what I want to say is, is we've also seen the intentionality. And I think if you want to transfer, if you're not intentional, whatever that looks like, it's not going to happen. And I think Dad shaking his head over here. Like, I mean, that that's, has to happen. I think about um, what God does, you know. Um, people have said to my wife and me, boy, you raise such good sons. You, you have done such a good job. And I have to say, I did plenty to mess it up. <laughs> I did. It, I don't – my wife and I marvel that God turned out two converted men – who lead their homes and follow Christ. Not perfectly, but they do. They follow after Christ. That's what you want. You don't need, you want perfect kids. Who doesn't want perfect kids? But we know that's not reality. And I think I, I see in you guys that that commitment to doing what God calls you to do, flawed, but you do it and trust God for the results. Absolutely. Yeah. I it Parenthood really is a process of bringing your loaves and fishes every day (laughs) and going, I know that this is not actually enough to feed everybody, but I am praying that you will make it enough. This This is what I have to offer. And so... To just be faithful in yeah. the bringing and know that that's a laboratory. Oh. You know, uh, the, the church is a seminary for the Christian life, but the home is the laboratory. And we do. I mean, you, in a way, you are experimenting, not because you're using stuff 
that's not proven. It's that you haven't done it before, mm-hmm. and you're putting these ingredients, these biblical ingredients, in there. Be encouraged. You know, God is good. Yeah, I I also think I, I just listening to you. We we have a problem where people just don't want to have children. They mm-hmm. don't. I hear it all the time among young people. Yeah, we just we just want to travel. And there's nothing wrong with those things, you know. But they just don't want to have children. They really want to delay it as long as possible. And I really think the reason for that is is because they don't have the vision that you've just laid out. Um, we're we're out of time, but just speak to that a little bit. You have the vision before you. Somebody listening right now, whether married or single, and kids is just like. Eh, I want to get married, but I don't want to have kids. What would you tell them? Well, this goes back to last week. Um, value what God values. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, think God's thoughts after Him. That should that should be the cry of your heart. And so, um, God values children. You would you will not find a place in Scripture where the Lord. <laughs> speaks like oh gosh another one you let know? the children come right. unto me I mean, that's right yeah and so they're a heritage they're a reward like arrows in his mm. hand and so to i would just say to anyone there in, goes the arrows there go the arrows <laughs> yeah. they're flying um, oh, thank the Lord. i would say to anyone and and that's even people who are already parents um to try to renew your mind about mm. children and if you have children about your children and what the Lord says about the awesome responsibility but also the awesome just blessing that they are. Yeah. It's just been good. And we've not had any problem discussing these matters. No. At all. We're at about 32 minutes. So. <clears throat> My executive or our uh, engineer. That's what happens when you have a woman on. You talk more. (laughs) (laughs) I could argue, but it's normally your wives and myself standing on a Sunday still chit-chatting while you guys are all in your truck. Well, we had the same problem with Christians. So, too, anybody listening to that episode, we had the same problem. So, well, Aaron, thank you. Thank for taking you time out of your busy time. And thank the Lord. To, yeah. I know you've got a lot going, and to be able to discuss this with, this with us, and I know our listeners will be encouraged. And I would just say this. If you're listening, you've got questions. Send them over our way. Um, our email will be given at the end of this podcast, and we can dialogue about this further and really engage in this further. And uh, But thank you for joining us today, and we'll look forward to joining you next week. Thanks, everyone, so much for joining us today. You can always visit us on the web at crosstalkpodcast.org. Crosstalk is produced by Vision for Living Ministries, a nonprofit organization. This podcast is a free resource, but you can support us financially through our website. For more information on Vision for Living Ministries, visit our website at visionforliving.org, where you will find more great resources. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram Just search for Vision for Living or on Twitter, at V4L. We also love to hear from our listeners. You can email us anytime at info at visionforliving.org. Be sure to join us next week on Crosstalk, the gospel for today and beyond. Crosstalk.